Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God the Father and from our risen Lord Jesus Christ. Alleluia. Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia. And that is the joyful news that we continue to celebrate, not only this Easter season, but truly throughout our entire lives. And it's the news that those first disciples celebrated over and over again as they were able to encounter their risen Lord. This, these uh, three weeks, uh, first three weeks of the Easter season every year are my, one of my favorite times of the whole church year because these weeks are specially devoted to those appearances that Jesus makes in the days and weeks following his resurrection. But of all the disciples that we hear about, of all the disciples who encountered Jesus and were able to see their resurrected Lord, the, the two disciples that we hear about today, the two who are on the road to Emmaus, are for me the most relatable. Two weeks ago on Easter, we heard about the women who were able to go to the tomb on, on Sunday morning and they felt the earthquake. They saw an angel descending from heaven whose appearance was like lightning and whose clothes were as white as snow. They watched as he rolled away the stone and sat on it. And this angel, when this angel told them to go quickly and tell the other disciples, they did. And that's when Jesus appeared to them and they could take hold of his feet and they could worship him. But it's not an experience, an amazing experience, but it's not an experience that we too, all, too often share. Last week we heard about Thomas. Thomas, who is well known not only for doubting Jesus, but as the gospel writer John puts it, for not believing at all. And so that part can be somewhat relatable. We too may find ourselves being tempted to, to doubt or even disbelieve. But despite all that, Thomas was still able to see his risen Lord. And what's more, he was invited by Jesus to actually touch his resurrected wounds and believe. And that's why I say we, we may not fully be able to relate to those disciples because of these extraordinary events that they lived. As amazing as these events were, as, as much as we appreciate them and as much as we need to hear these historical moments recorded for us in Scripture, we can't really say that we've walked in their shoes. We haven't heard and seen and touched the risen Lord like they have, at least not yet. But today, we hear about two other disciples, two other Christ followers who, shall I say, were much more ordinary and we find that we have walked a bit in their shoes. The disciples on the road to Emmaus were among the, the larger group of Jesus' followers, but they aren't really the famous ones. And yes, they too encountered the risen Jesus, but not in a spectacular or overly dramatic way. In fact, they didn't even realize that they had been with Jesus until after he was gone. That long walk between Jerusalem and Emmaus, the, the meal that they shared once they got there, the conversation that took place, it was all from the outside looking in. It was all so ordinary. And yet these were the means that Jesus used to transform their lives. And in the end, they are the means that Jesus uses to transform our lives as well. And so I'd like to share today four ways that the experience of the Emmaus disciples is like our experience, four ways that their encounter with Jesus is common to all Christians. The first comes when these two disciples, Cleopas and another unnamed follower of Jesus, were making their way on that, that journey from Jerusalem to Emmaus, and they were just talking. 
And that's when Jesus pulls up next to them, but their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And Jesus asks them, what are you talking about? And that one question literally stopped them in their tracks. It stopped them in their sorrow. Luke said they stood still, looking sad. And Cleopas answered Jesus, Are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? In other words, they were talking about the only thing that they could have been talking about, everything that they had just witnessed happen to Jesus. And so Jesus unassumingly asks, What things? And so they went on to tell him about Jesus of Nazareth, the great things that they had witnessed him do, the great fame that had been building up around him, the great expectations that people had had for him. But they also told him how all of that came crashing down when he was delivered to be crucified and killed. And then they said a short phrase that kind of sums up all of their emotions, all of their sorrow, all of their difficulty. They said, but we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. We had hoped. This, I would say, is the first relatable way that we connect with these Emmaus disciples. Because which one of us doesn't have hopes in our lives? We hope for our lives to go certain ways, for certain things to happen, for certain successes or accomplishments in life, whether they relate to our family or our career or our faith. Sometimes we have specific hopes for Jesus, things that he would do or or ways that he would help or people that he would heal. Sometimes we hope for things that he has promised us, that he would be with us, that he would forgive our sins or that he would deliver us to eternal life. And sometimes we hope for things that he hasn't necessarily promised, but we just wish somehow that that they were possible. Either way, unless we have hopes that are founded in God's sure and certain promises, we find among our many hopes in our lives that that some may come to fruition, but many others, just as many, if not more, seem like they don't. Hopes can get dashed, just like they were with these disciples. And Jesus patiently listens to them, and he listens to us, He listens as they express all of their hopes. He listens to us as we express all of our hopes to him. Jesus invites us to share these with him in prayer. And he doesn't reject us. He doesn't turn away from us. He doesn't say we shouldn't share all of our feelings of joy or sorrow. He simply walks with us on the path that we are walking, hopes and all. And he receives them from us and he wants to hear from us. But the time does eventually come for Jesus to speak. And that brings us to the second way we relate with these Emmaus disciples, and that is that we hear from Jesus through his word. After Jesus listens to his disciples, he speaks to them. He actually conducted a Bible study of sorts, possibly one of the most famous Bible studies in all of history. And so he says to them, O foolish ones and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Wasn't it necessary that Christ, that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And then Luke tells us, beginning with Moses and all the prophets, Jesus interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Jesus always brings us, wherever we may be in our life's journey, back to his word 
And he shows us time and time again how everything he did for us was necessary in God's patient and perfect plan. Everything from his life to his death and his resurrection, all of it was necessary just the way it happened. And what's more and what's amazing is that he goes, he shows us that everything in God's work, going all the way back through the Old Testament, just like he did with those disciples, that everything we find there from the fall of humans in the garden to Noah and his ark, to Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, to Moses and Egypt, to the wandering in the wilderness, to the promised land and the judges, to King David and Solomon, to all the prophets and all the kings, to the exiles and the remnant who returned. All of it was necessary and all of it pointed forward, pointed God's people forward to God's greatest promise of all, the promise of a Messiah. The promise of a Savior who would redeem Israel and redeem the world. Everything in Scripture, everything in this world, and everything in our lives always comes back to Jesus. And without his death and resurrection, none of it makes sense. But with Jesus, it all comes together in a way that shows God's perfect love and faithful salvation for us and the whole world. Yes, our hopes in life may seem attacked on all sides by by sin, by our sin, or by the sinful world, by death, by the devil. But Jesus came to defeat all of those enemies for us, and so he shares his victory with his disciples, those disciples on the Emmaus Road, and with us as well. And so Jesus brings us back to his word time and time again. You have heard God's word your whole life through. And it's so that you may know that everything comes back to Jesus. And he is the one who holds all things together. Now, for a time, we may not always be able to see it. We may not always know why things happen the way they do. But something we can always be certain about is that because Jesus is the fulfillment of all of God's promises in Scripture, all of God's promises to us, we can trust that no matter what may happen in our lives, that everything holds together in Jesus. And the day will come when all will be made right again. As the Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians, For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. Jesus brings us his word to assure us that he is always in control. And he is the one who bled and died and rose again for us. After the disciples walked with and listened to Jesus, they urged him strongly to join them for the evening for for a meal and for the safety and security of a home. And so Jesus does. He was at table with them, Luke says, and he broke bread with them. And that was when their eyes were open and they finally recognized him. And it happened when he was with them in ordinary means. This is the third way that we relate to those Emmaus disciples, recognizing our Lord in the ordinary ways in which he chooses to be with us. Again, the women at the tomb had a fantastic run-in with the angel and then with Jesus. Thomas got to actually touch Jesus. 
But these Emmaus disciples, they shared a dusty road with him. They heard his word. They sat down and broke bread together. But later they realized that it was Jesus who had been with them through it all. And this is so comforting to us today. Jesus promises that he is always with us even to the end of the age. He promises that he does not leave us as orphans. And yet we don't right now see him face to face, but we do meet him. Or rather, more clearly, he meets us. Jesus meets us in ordinary text on a page or in words spoken out loud. Jesus promises to always be present in his word. Jesus meets us in ordinary water splashed over our heads. He promises to be present in the gift of baptism, which cleanses us from all unrighteousness, claims us as his own, and grants us the gift of life through the Holy Spirit. Jesus meets us in ordinary bread and wine that we eat and drink in the Lord's Supper. He promises that his body and blood are always given and shed for us for the forgiveness of our sins. You see, Jesus is constantly present in our lives, but, but we don't have to go out seeking him in extraordinary ways. We don't have to have an extraordinary method in order to encounter the eternal God. No, Jesus has graciously made, us, made himself available to us each and every day through simple and ordinary means. And so just like those disciples, our eyes are opened in faith and we recognize him where he chooses, where he promises to be found. And that then brings us to the final way that we relate to these Emmaus disciples. We relate to them when we see their reaction once they realize that it was Jesus who had been with them all along. They rose that same hour and returned to Jerusalem, and they found the eleven and those who were with them gathered together. Then they told them what had happened on the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of the bread. And you'll note that Jesus never told them to go back to Jerusalem to tell the others. He didn't send them with specific instructions to be his witnesses. They just simply did it. They couldn't help but do it. Their hearts were burning, their feet were running, their mouths were open. And their message was, the Lord has risen indeed, alleluia. You see, they were ordinary people, experiencing ordinary things. And yet, because Jesus was there, they had a life-changing and eternal life-changing experience with their extraordinary Lord. And they couldn't wait to tell everyone they met. Brothers and sisters in Christ, we also have had the same eternal life-changing experience. We have also been met by the same Jesus who had appeared to the women at the tomb. We have been forgiven by the same Jesus who assured Thomas we have also journeyed with, broken bread with, and received eternal life from the same Jesus who journeyed with the Emmaus disciples. We too are ordinary disciples who continue to live in the light of our extraordinary Lord. And we, too, can't wait to tell everyone that we meet. Alleluia, Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia, in Jesus' name. Amen. And now may the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus, our risen Lord. Amen.